this morning. We ask that you accept our, all our worship, accept our songs, accept our heart today. Father, we pray that you will help us again and lead us in your word, guide us, help us to find the right pasture for today. I pray let your spirit Come and minister to us and bless our hearts. Thank you, Father. Lord, I ask you, help me today to, to follow you accurately and grant me grace and utterance to speak your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise Jesus. Good morning to you. Please say good morning to somebody. So I'm happy to see you again. Praise God. Hope you all had a wonderful week. Um, did you enjoy the uh, Wednesday's meeting? I think that ended up becoming um, a question and answer thing. Praise God. Hope you're not offended that there was no preaching or message. You guys are used to message, so. Praise God. But I just felt that it was good to, um, you know, to really get to the, to get to the bottom of that that matter, that subject, and it was actually very enriching to hear everybody, everybody's side and your perspective, see how you are processing everything. Praise God. Um, we trust the Lord. The Lord will help us. Uh, we, will not, um, we will not fall short of the, the expectation of heaven. We will be able to come into all the grace, the provision, the help that heaven has for us at this time. Amen. Praise God. I said that this is a time of, um, there's also an exchange of strength ongoing. Like the Lord Jesus told um, Apostle Paul, right, that when he besought the Lord three times, he said that my, my grace is sufficient for you. That when you begin to, to key into grace, right, you come into another sufficiency. And he said that my, my strength, praise God, my strength is made perfect in, in weakness. Praise Jesus. Um, so if you have any weak areas, this is a season where strength is coming. It's just a different strength, different than you are used to. But 
sure, it's sure, and it will come to your heart. Praise God. Let's just open the, the word of God. Um, I feel maybe we should just, I'm still stirred in my heart towards um, Ephesians. That's Ephesians chapter 2. Praise God. Ephesians 2 verse. Um, amen. Many of you are aware of life campaign going on in Ondo. Some of you may be. I'm sure we should all be aware of that. <laughs> uh-huh. So there are awesome messages. Wonderful. It has been a wonderful meeting. So if you're able to, to listen to them, they are all on YouTube, right? Uh, I know you guys, you guys know those places. Your places so <laughs> Praise God. Um, listen to those messages, they are wonderful. As you are led, of course, as you have time. I know there are so many messages and ministrations to listen to. Um, so you, you have to learn how to be led by the Spirit, you know, about how you're feeding. Just because, you know, you have only so many uh, hours in a day, and you have commitments and everything. So um, there has to be, it shouldn't just be arbitrary, you know, what you listen to. You, as you're growing, um, part of the wisdom of growth is also the wisdom of feeding too. You know, there's a way the Holy Spirit will lead you and based on emphasis, you know, your own personal emphasis at that time, you know, you know where to, what, you know, what things to, to listen to, praise God. And I think those major programs like Life Campaign now, you know, for the different churches, they actually, they're usually key. Because today, Daddy will be ministering there today, you know. So it's always good to listen to, you know, all those those major meetings. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Many of you feel like there are too many. The world is too much. <laughs> there are too many things to to listen to. It's okay. That's not a bad. That's a good problem. Is what you call. Is <laughs> what you call a good problem. It's a wanted problem. Let's have that problem of. Too much, too much food as opposed to, to no food, right? Yes, and the Lord will give you wisdom, discernment on, on how to feed. Praise Jesus. Um, Ephesians 2, verse, verse 19. Thank you, Father. Okay, let's, let's pick it from verse 18. says that for through him we both have access by one spirit unto the Father. I love this, by one spirit. We have access through him by one spirit. Glory. You see both through and by there. Um, through means that they are both means. He, he is a means, but the way he, he gives access is not just by himself. It is also by what? It is through that one spirit, which is the one who administers everything that has to do with their persons. 
Praise God. For through whom we both have access by one spirit unto the Father. And now therefore you are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God. Amen. Please can you help me appreciate my wife especially. Um, thank you. Sister Essie, please appreciate her. Thank you. <laughs> Our worship leader, Sister Essie. <laughs> thank you. Thank you for helping us to worship God today. So I enjoyed my, uh, my time, the time of worship, and we appreciate the entire worship team. Thank you. And the musicians as well. Also, the, those who lead us in prayers. Uh, today was um, Brother Yinka and of course Brother Tolu, thank you. Praise God. Thank you for laboring. Uh, you know it's not easy to lead prayer sometimes. Yes. The prayer point is coming fresh and hot in your, in your heart. But we guys are praying it. You can get discouraged. But uh, thank you for not um, holding back, for helping us to, you know, to pray these burdens and to prepare our hearts for the Lord. The Lord bless you. Praise God. So it says, for through him we both have access by one spirit unto the Father. And now therefore you are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and of the, what? Of the household of God and are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets. And Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone in whom all the building fitly framed together groweth unto an holy temple in the Lord in whom you, are, you also are builded together for an habitation of God through the what? Through the spirit. Praise God, an habitation of God through the spirit, in whom all the building fitly framed. It's fitly framed together. So for, for it to grow, there, there, has, there is a fit that the way the building is framed, so it can't be, it won't grow up if there isn't that thing called fit, or fitly framed means that every aspect of the building um, is fit together. And that wisdom of, of um, fitting you know, elements in the building is the wisdom which the, the Spirit of God gives. It's actually the, the wisdom. You, know, you, can bring, you can have materials, but when the materials are ready, or when it comes to now fitting the building, you know, it doesn't take too much skill to make materials come. Right, 
You just need resourcefulness, which is mainly the spirit of wisdom. That's the main, um, the main work of the spirit of wisdom is, is to make the soul resourceful to be able to access materials for their spiritual building, right? Um, but then there is the um, actual building of the house, which takes some kind of skill and wisdom. Is another kind of wisdom operation, and it, and it involves a lot of skill. Uh, that, and that's the skill which the Holy Spirit supplies. He has the Spirit of God has the wisdom of building. Now, if the building is not fitly framed together, it will not grow up. Now, let's see there. If framed together, grow it up into what, and and holy what temple in the Lord. So you're seeing that holiness is tied to specification, right, in the, in the spirit. The way they actually measure or the way they actually determine holiness is not the way we see it. Um, we see holiness as just being clean from things, being free from things, but the mind of, in the spirit of what, what makes a thing holy is not superficial. Wow. Right? Men, and it's almost like a, it's a weakness of man, it's something that the fall brought to us to make us a bit quite superficial concerning things. That's what the problem of Jesus, when he was summarizing the righteousness of the Pharisees. You know, those Pharisees, those Pharisees the, they were the, um, the top, the creme de la creme, or what do you call it? The, they are like the elite when it comes to religious, according to men's standard, righteous standard. They make people fear and quake by just their standard of righteousness. Praise God. So they, in a way, at that time, they could almost, um, you could almost summarize them as the best that men could do right, in terms of righteousness. You, maybe you need to jump, if, if they can make you meet a Pharisee of that day and see how their conversation is. It must have been something terrible, right? <laughs> Um, what Jesus was just speaking about them, he said, you are whitewashed sepulchers. Look at the language he was using, whitewashed sepulchers. So, like you take a sepulcher, which is maybe where they bury someone, right? So, and you wash it and very, very clean and white. But he said, within you are full of what? Dead men's bones. That was, so that was Jesus' description. He was trying to describe that kind of righteousness of Pharisees. Praise God. And then, then he was now also saying um, that why do you clean the outside of the cup and leave the inside unclean? But would you not rather clean the inside and the outside will be clean also? So he was trying to, Jesus, that was Jesus' um, sense. He was trying to, to teach the concept of holiness 
and righteous. That's Matthew verse 23, right? Um, verse 28, sorry, Matthew 23, verse 28, it says, even so, ye also outwardly appear righteous to men, but within you are full of hypocrisy and iniquity. That's verse 29, amen. It says, want, that's this verse 25, sorry. It says, woe unto you scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you make clean the outside of the cup and of the platter, but within they are full of what? Extortion and what? Excess. Praise God. So this sense of holiness, God's, God's own sense of holiness is completely different. And for the most part, is, is foreign. It's still foreign to the church. It's still foreign to Christians. Even when they are trying to upgrade the sense of that thing for a believer, you'll find that a lot of times you still fall back to the default mode, right, of your, your perception of holiness, right, which is just consciousness of your outward conduct, right, and your outward appearance, but not being conscious of the, your frame. That's in what he calls frame in Ephesians chapter 2. He's talking about how are you inwardly constructed, right? That was your inside construction. Do you understand? Yes, and and it, it was saying that God doesn't look on the outward, but God looks on the word. He looks on the inward. And when he looks on the inward, what is he looking at? He's looking at the, the framing. What kind of a frame on the inside do men have? You know, it, it, it takes some time to, sh- to shift a believer from pharisaical righteousness to actual righteousness. That's the task of the word of righteousness. Wow. <laughs> I 
Praise God. Thank you. Let's hear the interpretation. Catelia, the Bosch, the Palia Menasa, Brelecative, Mecatasi, Brahate, Mekiustava, Aliostava, Mekiastevalia, Stipa, Ricata, Cephalocoto, Melia, Sepanteli, Catalia, Repata, Aricota, Mericata, Ventio, Lost to Prantiveca to Raisa, Evra to Mess to Raise. I am my spirit. There has been a raising of what it thinks to be holy. There has been a raising, for it is a raising of a stature that makes you work in a way of holiness but it is a fallen stature it is a fallen raising it is a going down and not a coming up it is a going down building and not a coming up i am born to you to come i want you to come to be grown up in my order of raising for you see i look not on the outward but i look on the inward that even as i look in the inward and i walk in the inward the outward will be beautiful the outward will as well will be beautiful because the beauty comes from the within it comes from the within it comes from the within just as i am beautiful just as i am beautiful and it is it is the way i disguise myself it is the way i disguise myself that only the hearts that truly wants me will find me because i look not on the outward but i look in the inward so you see the things within you and out of you may not look beautiful but you are beautiful within and i am making you beautiful within that i am growing you that you can be fit into me that you can fit into me for you see you see i am purging i am purging even the thoughts and the intents of your heart i am purging the thoughts and the intent of your heart. for you see the springing forth of the outward is from the within it is from the within so i look on the within I look on the within and I want to make you beautiful. I want to make you beautiful on the within. It is by grazing. It is by raising as I am raised. Just as I have life, like my fa- as my father has life. The same way it is raised in him, it is raised in me. And I am come to raise in you that you may be holy, separate, undefiled, just as I am. Says the Spirit of the Lord. Praise God. Amen. Um, okay. Um, thank you, Jesus. Eliot, 
turn to heart, turn to heart, Temenato, Zanteliato. Pratina se fatila se palia, Alisa paniosteva, li catalia, prostebata, vreposiga, libra hatile bojo, shitata talia, badadosa, meketi, bremeti, 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 acaste, mercatosa, velate, malia secalia, ripetalia, rotetetetali, castovata, brestatali, calia, penia, precati, leprotitate, tai, 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 tai. Men have been tied to standards of men. Men have been tied to fallen standards, to standards of men, to standards of morality. But I want you to come up to me, to come up to me, come up to me, come up to me. For this cause, I walked on this earth to show you the way to come up, to show you the way to come up. Walk after my other, follow my other, follow my other, follow my other other walk after my other for this reason for this reason i am showing you how i walked i am showing you how i was raised i i was raised to be an habitation for my father i am showing you the other the other the way i walked it is the way of holiness for this cause i came i came i came to show you i came to show you i came to show you i've come to show you i have come to even unveil unveil my working on earth my walking on earth that you would work in the same order for that is the part of life it is the part of holiness it is the part of raising it is the part of worship it is the part of worship it is the part that sounds to my father praise god glory to jesus amen thank you father sorry amen it says and i built upon the foundation of the Apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the what? Chief cornerstone, in whom all the building fitly framed together groweth unto an what? Holy temple in the Lord. So that holy temple, like I was saying, is... Um, According to, is a house that is built the, according to the, the wisdom and the standard of God, by, which is given by the Spirit of God. And it has to do with how the vessel is framed, right? That holiness, spiritually, um, the way God sees holiness is not according to man's own Side. The Bible says that the righteousness of men are like filthy rags before him. So, and he said that there is none righteous, no, not one, not even a person, not even no person is righteous. Isaiah 64 verse 6, we are all as, as an unclean thing. And all our righteousnesses are as filthy rags, and we all do fade as a leaf. And our iniquities, like the wind, have taken us away. So the, 
um, the weakness, the, the, um, the fault in our righteousness is in the, the frame. Praise God. Go back to that same verse, the same verse we're reading. Um, thank you. Isaiah 64. It says, we are all as an unclean thing, and all our what? Righteousnesses are as filthy rags, and then we all do fade as a leaf. So you're seeing that what makes the righteousness, the, pro, the fault with the righteousness is its fading nature, or its leaf, as a leaf, what makes you know, a leaf and grass, they have the same kind of texture that they do, it has to do with their frame, it's not firm. So that lack of firmness is tied to um, is what the, the, is the weakness in righteousness. Praise God. So they are, our righteousness are as what? Filthy word rags. Now when you, see, when you see the word filthy rags there, it seems almost like they are speaking about just the rag because it's, it has dirt on it. It's not the main issue, before the dirt came on it, it was a rag, right? So it is, it, is, it is rags you used to clean, you get. Now, what is a rag? A rag is something that has, is a cloth. It was meant to be for a covering, right? It's meant to be a cloth. But what now turns, what turns a cloth to a rag is when it loses its it's free, it's, it's firmness. It loses, it has, it's worn out, yes, you understand? So it's the wear, the wearing of the rag, of the cloth that makes it a rag. So you now see that the reason why filthiness comes on it is because it has lost its what? Or then you now say, okay, the purpose of this is to, is for filth. Do you get? So, now, imagine now taking a filthy rag, washing it, then removing the filth from it, and I say, okay, because I've done that, it's okay. You haven't solved the problem of it. It's still a rag. And that problem of the rag, of it being a rag, is, is difficult to solve. Do you understand me? Praise God. So, so you, when you read this whole verse, you can see that the entire concept of God's... Um, Righteousness has to do with more than just what the, the dirt <laughs> on the surface. It has to do with the, the fabric, the frame, how firm, how solid is the material. That's the God's own word, concept of righteousness. So if a person can switch over, that, and it's not very easy to take a Christian and make a Christian... Um, stop being externally, you know, in terms of being clean. Uh-huh. Not be, it doesn't mean that you now stop, <laughs> you now say, okay, it's not about being clean, so you now go, <laughs> praise God, you go to town uh, now, 
What I'm saying, I'm talking about a shift of sense that is not in all of those things that to, to pay more attention to your inward frame. And it's not, it's not that easy. You can have, uh, it might sound trivial, but it's not actually. Um, you, so can be around the word of righteousness, but for a long time, but not capture the sense of being conscious of their frame. So you see, um, if you're not conscious of your frame, your attempt towards righteousness or spirituality will be trying to go after the, the, the things that stain you Right, rather than going after your very, very that that goes because those things that stain, they it's the nature that magnets stain filth. Right, it's like think about a rag as it calls for. Right, when you there's um. When there's a garment you look at, amen. Like this one I'm wearing now, there are all kinds of like fabric in my house. When I look at this one, I don't think about using it to clean something <laughs> because there's something about the way it is. It doesn't, it doesn't call for being used in that manner by, by when you look at the way it is. But there can be a, a, a state it will get to because it's corruptible. When corruption sets in, corruption disintegrates the material. And that's the same thing that happens to a soul. Over time, corruption will do what? What corruption am I speaking about? The one that Peter calls the corruption that is in the world through lust. Amen. And if corruption deals with, let's say for some years, it deals with this thing, the way I look at it now will be different. When I look at it, I might, it might be calling for another use. Do you get what I'm saying? So it's a sense in the spirit that the, the nature of the material will determines what it calls for. The nature of the soul determines what it, what it calls for. So this... Um, so so it's, that's why Jesus said, do not clean the outside of the cup, but rather deal with the inside. If you do deal with the inside, automatically the outside will be what? Will be clean also. Praise Jesus. Grow it unto an holy temple in the Lord. Back to Ephesians 2. It said, in whom then you are, you are builded together for what? An habitation of who? of God through the spirit. So you see holy temple, then you now see the next one is called habitation. Holy temple, and then habitation of God. Now, so it, it takes a holy temple for the, to be present for God's habitation to be built. Do you get me? It takes a holy temple to be what? Present for God's habitation to be built, where God will actually live. Um, so God doesn't, it's not, um, in the book of Isaiah, I remember where 
Uh, of course, you know that this temple is also a mountain, the holy temple. Isaiah also calls it the holy mountain. Right? It's, the temple is like a mountain, right? If you look at it from, in another sense, glory to God. Hallelujah. Which was depicted by, you know, the, the founding of Zion, right? Which is a mountainous place where God put his holy temple. Glory to God. Hallelujah. And, and you know, the prophet was saying that the foundation of God is in the holy temple or in the holy mountain. The, the foundation of God is in the holy mountain. God's foundation is, you can, God can only be founded on a holy mountain. What's a holy mountain? It's a mountain which is also a building that, uh, that, that has been fitted in a certain way that has arisen to a certain stature in the spirit. And then upon such a thing, God put his word, his foundation, glory. The book of Isaiah's foundation is in the holy mountain. Amen. Praise God, please. Let's read that, please. Have you found it? Okay, that's 87. That's Isaiah 87, verse 1. Sorry, Psalm, not Isaiah. Okay. Psalm 87. <laughs> Isaiah doesn't have 87, eh? Psalm 87, verse 1. Praise God. He said that his foundation is in the holy mountains, and then verse 2, he says, The Lord loveth the gates of Zion more than the what? The dwellings of Jacob. Then he now said, Glorious things are spoken of thee, O city of God. So the um, what he calls here the is the he calls it the gates of Zion. He loves it more than the dwellings of Jacob. The dwellings of Jacob is just speaking about um, you know, Jacob is who, who Israel became, or you can call it the nation. Mm-hmm. And then but Zion is a place that was founded, right, in the land of, that God had given to his people. And that, that Zion is where God instituted, God placed his holy mountain in the land. And the Bible says that that place called Zion, God actually loves it. Everything about Zion, God has fallen in love with it, and he has loved it more than what? The dwelling places. Those dwelling places of Jacob are places that, have been, that are developed for dwelling, but they are not developed for God to dwell. Right? It's not every kind of house that God can dwell in. So the Dwellings of Jacob are also dwelling places, but they are not developed with the, they don't have the standard of holiness that will make God fall in love with it and say, okay, I'm going to live in this place. So, but verse one says his foundation, that word his foundation means, what do you call God's foundation? That a place where God will look at and say, this is a foundation for me. 
I can live here. I can build here. And he's saying that he's God's own foundation. Imagine saying that foundation is in a mountain. Right, that is God, right? That's God is different. We're saying that last time that Christ is a, is a tower, is a strong tower, is a mountain, is a tower, is a temple. But when God is looking, God sees a foundation. That God sees a, a starting point. It's like a, it's a beginning point for God. So that word beginning, in the beginning, beginning, you see that word, they always use the word beginning. Genesis, like the book of beginnings, right? Uh, we see that the book of John also kept using the word beginning. It said in the beginning was the Logos. Uh, the Logos, uh-huh. First John, it said that which we have heard from the beginning. Are you seeing that? So the word beginning, um, there is speaking about is beginning in God's sense, speaking concerning the the life of God. Whenever you hear the word beginning, it's, talk, it's speaking about God, God's life, and and God is is different from other people in terms that he's the only kind of person who can go before the beginning and do some things. Do you understand me? Right, because errors were made, and God said, I'm, I'm different, I'm a creator. Don't, you can't, like the devil thought, when the devil spoiled the beginning, he thought maybe that he has handicapped God. But he doesn't know that God can go before the beginning, or under the beginning, and do something. Do you get what I'm saying? That's what Christ is. Christ is what is below the beginning of God. The, praise Jesus. He's below what? is below the beginning to help man, to bring man out of the, all the pits that man has, because man fell into the pit. Praise God. So that he has lifted me out of the, the miry clay, or he has lifted me out of the pit and set my feet upon, upon the rock to, what? to stay. So God can go under the beginning and put a sort of a rocky foundation wow. there. Do you understand me? Praise God. So God's foundation is in where? The holy mountain. So without holy mountain, when I say holy mountain, think holy development. Right? The holy mountain is a stature that is holy. Right? It's a building that is holy. That's what Christ is. So this holy mountain is very clear in the Bible. And when you see mountain and temple, they are interchangeable. Before the concept of temple came, right, the temple sense came to Israel. But before temple sense came, temple is just, instead of mountain, do it here. Why did they bring temple? It's because of, to bring the detail. If you look at the mountain, you will not see what makes the mountain the able to support worship. So you, you understand that temple is a derivative of, from mountain. That was how it happened in the wilderness. When God, God said, I'm coming, he led them to a mountain when he wanted to come. 
And then he said, camp around the mountain, Mount Sinai, and said, I'm going to come upon the mountain. And it was from the mountain that the revelation of the temple came. So God now said that if you can raise the temple in this way, the presence, the glory that came on the mountain will be able to move to the temple as well. And it's very clear also, you see, all the, the priests of that, of that era, that pre-law era, all the priests of the pre-law era, they were all mountaineers. And the prophets of that era, all of them were mountaineers. You see Balaam, for example, when he wanted to curse them, he had to go up to the mountain, right? You know, mountains are where sacrifices occur. Mountains are, are places of worship, right? In, in the prophet's language, he skillfully interchanges changes mountain and house or temple. Like Isaiah chapter 2 said, in, this, in, the, sorry, in that day shall the mountain of the Lord be exalted. Isaiah chapter 2 verse 2, that it shall come to pass in the last days that the mountain of the Lord's house do you see that? that so the, the house of the Lord is a mountain. So anytime a temple is raised, in the spirit they see a mountain in the temple. And it says that the temple of the Lord's house, the mountain of the Lord's house, shall be established in the top of the mountains. Means above every other mountain and shall be exalted above the hills. And then all nations shall do what? Shall flow into it. Glory to Jesus. Hallelujah. Now, so, so God, um, God is looking for that kind of thing. It's good to know what God is looking for from, from you. Like what is he trying to get from you? What is he trying to receive? And that thing has been corrupted and changed by Satan. He has converted it and given men a, sense, a false sense of um, righteousness in terms of what we feel God is looking for. So you see, you see a person can ignore their, can be blind towards their, how they are inwardly fitted, but very conscious about the, the appearance of, of, you know, and I'm not even speaking about that kind of, um, uh, what's the word now? Hypocrisy, where a hypocrite who maybe just wants to appear good before men. There's that. And the Pharisees, they had that too. But that's not all the Pharisees had. I'm, I'm going deeper now. Because someone might be like, no, I don't really care about other people. Right? In fact, I don't care what people think of me. Um, so I don't fall into this category of your message today. So let's maybe <laughs> praise God. Just don't conclude very quickly. Amen. I'm not, I'm not too concerned about that for now. You understand? <laughs> because that one is actually is a, is a dirt, that hypocritical kind of thing. I'm speaking about something deeper. I'm speaking about your own sense before God. Right? Not, not now, how you're acting in front of people. But I'm speaking about in the closet of your heart. What, is, what does your sense of being right hinge upon? What makes you feel good like you've pleased God? Do you understand me? 
that one, that inside, inward, you know, that one before God, in the, when you are fully sure that you are standing, you are, you are doing well, when you, you know, when you feel pure and clean and holy and righteous, not before men, just in the sight, in your closet, just before God, when you are standing and you feel clean, what are you standing on? And what is the, the basis? What gives you that thing? Now, to, to change that thing in a person is hard. It's one of the hardest things to do. It's very hard to, to, to shift the basis of a person's righteousness, of how, what makes them feel righteous is difficult, but it's necessary for change to come into that, that, that place. Praise God, because God is not a respecter of person. God um, has, um, praise Jesus. Hallelujah. It's like he was saying, I desire truth in the inward parts. That thing is a requirement that God desires on the inside. He doesn't respect any person's um, you know, framing of righteousness. God wants to build his own in that place. Glory to Jesus. Hallelujah. So what, what God wants to raise is our temples, holy temples. Praise God. Hallelujah. What are holy temples? They are temples that are fitly framed together. How are they framed? They are framed together by the wisdom of who? Of the spirit. Glory to God. Let's just, let's just go to Peter. Peter also says it, the same thing. Let's, let's see Peter's language about this. Thank you, Father. First Peter chapter 2. Glory to God. Verse, verse one says, wherefore laying aside all malice, all guile, and hypocrisies, and envies, and all evil speakings, as newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word, that you may do what? Grow thereby. If so be you have tasted that the Lord is gracious, to whom coming as unto a living stone, disallowed indeed of man, but what? Chosen. But chosen of God and what? Precious. Chosen of God and precious. Now, understand something that this place here um, is speaking mainly um, about the the building of the habitation of God. I mean, the, the detail he's going into is about the habitation of God. When you read here, as newborn babes desires the sincere milk, this as newborn babes, it doesn't mean you are a newborn babe or you're just a baby Christian. He's speaking in a particular season. What season is a season that follows after you have tasted that the Lord is gracious. 
That is, you have, you, have ta- you have developed the taste of the graciousness of the Lord. Right, it's that, you know, that taste is, <laughs> is um, and that word for taste is sense. Taste is one of the senses, right? So he's, he's telling you that there, you have, there's actually, you've developed the faculty of grace. The gracious faculty has been developed on your inside. Then when that has been raised, then I say, okay, now, now, as become a, like, as a baby again. For, it's now time that, so it's very clear that this baby that you need to be is like as a newborn baby of God. Right, it's not like um, uh, spiritual. This is not milk of the world at all. Right, you're not speaking of milk of the world season here. It's when it's an it's like an, an attitude that you you need to now take up again when it's time after you finished eating the milk. It's the meat of the world that when they say that you've tasted that the Lord is gracious, he's talking about the taste of meat. Yeah, milk of the world is not, it's not gracious in its taste. It's a different kind of, you know, there are different kind of taste. I don't know how milk of the world tastes like, maybe milky or, it tastes, it tastes assuring, comforting, whatever milk taste does to a baby, but I know that that means they good, they like it, amen. But there is a, there is the taste, there's a way meat tastes. Is a is is a is a gracious taste. It's a different taste entirely. But when you have your 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 senses of the of the meat of the word has been developed, is to develop a taste. You keep eating it yeah. and eating it, but it's, it's developing a taste on the inside of you. Praise God. Then you now begin to desire what he calls here the sincere milk of the world. It's not just the milk of the world. As Hebrews chapter five puts it, right? See where you have, where, but which time you ought to be teachers, you have one that won't teach you again, which be the first principles, you know, the doctrine of Christ and all of that, and have become one as have need of what? Milk, and not of strong meat. So you have become such as have what? Need of milk and not of strong meat. So this is milk, praise God. But this is milk, but this is not the sincere milk of the word. The, the, that word sincere, they, are not, they will never put sincere behind milk. See the milk that you drink when you are just born again. The truth is that that milk is not really sincere, you know? <laughs> if you really want to really look at it, there are some things that that milk, when they are teaching the milk, that milk, ah, when, you are, when you've grown and you hear that thing, you just say, that, hey, this thing that they are telling you, there's another sense to it too, but enjoy it for now. Right? Like when Jesus was saying, if you believe, like, say unto this mountain, right, that Mark chapter 11, right? Whosoever, that's the first insincere thing, really. <laughs> Hope you're not angry with me. Hope you don't feel like I'm saying something bad about Jesus. Well, we've gone find the oracles, you understand. It's, it's the sense, it's nuanced, it's, it's deeper. 
You agree with me? Yes, sir. <laughs> Amen. Amen. For verily I say unto you, for example, when you were young and they told you that you cannot subtract two from one. And you took it. No, it's not possible. It's wrong. Ah, it's, you can even go and show the teacher. Teacher, this one is wrong. If they, imagine somebody in elementary, you know, and they say, one minus two. Ah, ah. <laughs> and then when the teacher says, they will agree with you, but I'm sorry, I made a mistake. You, you can't subtract two from one. It's just, praise God. But you, after you just grow a little, you realize there's something called minus one. You realize. You, can you remember your first, the first time you saw that thing? <laughs> so you mean, was the teacher insincere? Yeah, in a, in a sense, but it was, the teacher was righteously insincere. It's, it's your level. There's no point in telling you minus. What is minus one to a little child? You get? And there are levels of insincerity. There's also a kind of insincerity in Christ in this sense I'm speaking. Where there are some things there that you just need to grow up a bit. Move into everlasting life and now they will recalibrate the thing again for you. And God does that. The way you can take that minus one now at level, they now you get to a point where they now, they, if they tell you, when you learn square root, right? Say square root of one. You say it's one. Easy. Then the first time you saw square root of minus one. Ah, ah. <laughs> What two numbers will you square? You know a square means the same number multiplied by itself yeah. to give you an answer. What two numbers will you multiply? What number will you multiply by himself to give you minus one? You can't, there's no number like that. Then I introduce you to I or J or whatever you call it. That there's a number called I and is equal to the square root of minus one. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I feel like all the, you guys are all liars, all you, all you yes, <laughs> mathematics people. Yes, sir. <laughs> Have you ever been in the bus class before you wonder where does this thing end? Yes. <laughs> where are they taking me to? And that's how learning is. Do you get what I'm saying? That's why you should not. Some people have done this milk. Why are you changing it? Milk, meat, everything. Those, didn't Prekanet Hagen finish everything? Didn't he say, and why, why are you trying to bring your own? No, just different. Praise Jesus. Hallelujah. Like in the middle of, I, I love. One of the books I love so much is Daddy Higgins' book about life. Zoe, God's, the God kind of life. It's where you can read that book and feel like, oh, you have everything. But at your level, do you have all the life? You, have a, you still have it. But to a baby Christian, you must teach them in that kind of way. There's so, much why, there's, there's so many reasons why you have to. You just have to. You have to make a, a new believer believe they have the life of God in them. Don't com- make it complex. Don't tell them, well, you have a, there's a first level of life. <laughs> <laughs> because what you are doing is we are using words to communicate spiritual realities. 
So don't make the world your salvation. Let the world be instrument and let the Holy Ghost use them. Do you get, so some weak souls can make the world their salvation. No, the verse said this. So eternally it must be this. No. <laughs> Daddy Hagen who wrote that book, if you meet him now and ask him again, he will probably smile to you. <laughs> because even in his life he prophesied. Towards the, end, towards the end of his life, he kept prophesying of another revival that's coming. He kept prophesying about a fresh dispensation, about how forces will be joined with heaven. Yes, I will open door to fresh ministry. He was prophesying of another season of knowledge. Beyond, do you get what I'm saying? It means that he himself didn't summarize everything. He, there is, you, to, you understand that God is bigger than that. Glory to God. So, so this thing called milk here, praise Jesus. <clears throat> so we call, it calls it the sincere, so when they use the word sincere, it's trying to, let me see my Bible word, you know sometimes, okay, in chapter three, two, verse, verse two, um, I think it calls it pure. It translates it as pure, that word sincere, right? He calls it pure milk of the word. Can you call the milk of the word pure? I mean, the milk you give the baby is not pure. Right, like I was using the example when Jesus Christ said that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, and what? That whosoever shall say unto this mountain, be thou removed, be thou cast into the sea. And shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he said shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever. So whosoever will have whatsoever. Jesus said this. But with this standard, is this sincere in that sense? That is this the whole picture? So why can't just any Christian just take this and bring to move any you, see, you ask, God, does this mountain not fall in so whatsoever? <laughs> God will answer meekly, yes, it falls. <laughs> Do I not fall into whosoever? But <laughs> 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 well, some mountains just will not move. That's just the truth. Yeah. You just taught it this way. You, you, you must teach it this way to, to teach faith. If you want to teach, you are introducing people to faith, you can't start using, well, sometimes, if you, do you get what I'm saying? What Jesus was trying to teach here is the unfailing nature of God's power. That, but you must use this kind of language to teach it. That, that, that thing is unfailing. But he wasn't talking about the administration around it. And all of those, all of those other things. You, you have to. So don't read Bible like English and say, no, the word said, read it, or whosoever. <laughs> Some guys might have lost their faith in this place. When it's not, say, God, this thing is not, you lied, it's not working. <laughs> so, it's very, I mean, I can even give you an example in Jesus' own life where it didn't work. One time he was, Jesus was resting. He had his disciples shouting. 
probably for hours, trying to cast out the devil or something, right? <laughs> and he was just watching them. I can just imagine the drama around that thing. Imagine, imagine the, maybe Bartholomew will come first. <laughs> I know they must have done it before. So you know, this is a small thing now. Just, uh, you foul spirit. <laughs> With the same way he did it before. He would try it, but the more he says it, the more the manifestation is increasing. You understand? So imagine that demon or whatever wearing out, but ah, you're not going to call. Okay, let's try. You know, you will call the next guy in line. That one will feel like he must have seen one secret scene. <laughs> What have you been doing? Why is your own not working? You will feel like he's the one that will do it. You know, imagine, he will now bring his own style. Maybe his own style is based on, you know. Amen. I mean, I waste too much time here, but <laughs> glory to God. <laughs> so it means they must have gone through each other. Then maybe they landed at Peter, John, James, then Peter. Ah! I don't know how long they would have tried, but that thing wasn't responding. Then Jesus just had to explain to them. See, I understand that whosoever thing and all that, see, but there's one aspect I didn't mention to you that there's a kind. This, this, this kind goeth not out except by prayer. So it's not your faith. You know, if it was their faith, he would say it many times, oh, ye of little faith. And all of that. But he said that this is just a, a type, it's a special kind. <laughs> That goeth not out except the guy who has faith has tapped into some things by prayer and by fasting. So it means there are other things apart from faith. But if you're only learning faith, you feel like faith is everything. If, if you're learning prayer, you feel prayer is everything. Do you know why? Because of how they teach it. Like, see how when Jesus was teaching prayer, for example, right? Say, ask and you receive. What? Knock. Seek and you shall find. Began to give examples. If you've been evil, all of those kind of things. You, you must have no doubt in your heart about the power of prayer. You must teach it that way, otherwise, the heart, they, it's, it's something spiritual. They want to unlock your heart and let something land. So they, must, they use absoluteness because that's actually how the power of prayer is. But in spiritual things, they, there's a way they overlap each other. There's a way they interact. Do you get? And these, are some of the, these things are the reasons why you have all kinds of denominations in the body. And they all segment themselves. Right? And this is why we need to grow. Only growth will, will bring unity of the faith to, to make understanding rounded. So the, the guys who focus on prayer and learn or everything feels the faith guys are playing. Yeah. Yeah. The other ones who focus on this side, because of the nature of how the scripture communicates things, when you are learning one thing in the Bible, you feel like that's everything. That's the nature of how, so you must be careful with the scriptures. Only growth can rightly divide, put them, know how they, how does faith, um, that was the mastery of Jesus. How did Jesus know that this kind goeth not out except by prayer and fasting? It means he had something more than knowing how to pray. He had something more than just having faith. 
Jesus could even tell faith in degrees. You know, that was under, that's under teaching. There's something called great faith. There's something called little faith. Right? Things were happening. And then he saw one guy, that's Centurions, who demonstrated something. You know, saw a teachable moment. You see, this one is called great faith. This type, which he just exhibited, is different from the other one that requires me physically being there and doing things. Praise God. So, so we have to be careful with the Bible. Don't be too convinced about one thing. No matter how absolute the language is, it seems in the Bible, this is where people get stuck. Someone can be stuck in one thing for decades because of how, how strongly they hold on to one revelation. Because when the way they see it, so true. But there are many sides that they haven't seen. Do you understand that? And the only thing is that, and why I hate the devil is that, you know, how do men, how, what determines what men see? Most times according to their lust. That's the sad part. It's according to their laws, according to their profit, which they, they want to get from the Bible. Praise Jesus. Thank you, Father. So what he's speaking about in that Peter is not just the milk of the world. It's what he calls the pure milk, or he calls it the, the sincere word. The sincere milk of the world. Desire the sincere milk of the word that you may grow what? Thereby. Um, if so be that you have tasted that the Lord, that the Lord is gracious. About this point I was making, just a, a very simple point. It's like you going through the book of Acts. You know how Acts started? Miracles galore, everything. I did notice that after a while those things became silent in the book of Acts. After some time in Acts, you start looking for miracles, you won't be seeing too much. You will see more of trials. When Paul now started speaking about his dealings. So when Paul had shipwreck, where was he? You think he didn't have, did he lose faith? When they stoned him, he actually pretty much almost died. Yeah, the believers had to come together. Why didn't the stones bounce off of him? Uh, what? You know they flogged him, right? Praise God. <clears throat> so, this sincere milk is, is talking about a particular kind of milk. It's like a, it's now, it's an introduction to, um, to the real, the divine life. It's the milk of the divine life. 
the milk of the divine life is pure. And I love how they render it sincere. They say, are you being sincere? It means that you're hiding something. This thing you're saying, is there something else hidden behind it that you've not opened up? So this milk is when you now begin to drink a milk without hidden things. It's the, the real thing. Glory to God. Why would they do that? Would they give the sincere milk? Sincere milk would, is only given to souls that have developed a taste. What kind of taste? Taste of grace. If so be that what you have tasted that the Lord is gracious. So the, the graciousness of the Lord or grace in the heart develops the taste buds for the, the milk of God's life. Without graciousness, the, the framing of grace within the heart, it's not easy to do or to have desire, to muster desire for what you call sincere milk. When they want to begin to bring sincere milk, that's when people are found out who have not, who don't have the gracious frame in them. People without graciousness cannot handle the sincere milk. If you try and bring the sincere milk, they say, no, no, what of the other things you removed? I like those other ones. They begin to look for, you know, all the insincerities. They are, they are used to, they begin to desire the insincerity. And it's not a very good place because this can cause, what's the word? It's not abortion now. This can cause departure. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. That thing called an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. You know, to depart from the living God is when it can happen, when you are not, when you are trying to approach him, but you, have, you don't have the taste for the kind of milk you want to give. That's a, a dangerous situation. Imagine a baby that's born but doesn't like milk. You're in trouble. You, have to, you must solve that problem. Do you get me? You must solve that word. You must solve that problem of if the baby does not like milk, does not just like the taste of milk. It doesn't like the... It doesn't like, you know, there's something called taste in the spirit. So a soul that has not journeyed well in Christ, bring the taste of this milk to them. They will not like it. I know, it's not they won't tell you they don't like it too. This is how they will sound. Something is wrong with it. They won't be able to fathom, how can you be enjoying this kind of thing? When they look at guys who God has helped, 
they wonder why can't you taste that something is wrong? Does it not taste off? <laughs> but what tastes off in it is those insincerities that were removed from it. And they, they don't, they can't, how can you bring milk without these things in them? Glory to God. So uh, the word tasting that the, the Lord is gracious, the, to taste that the Lord is gracious. Tasting is talking about the taste which the word of Christ, the word of righteousness gives to the soul. Is a, is a gracious taste, right? What is that? How does graciousness, how does the soul develop gracious taste? There are many things about that taste. That's what they were trying to teach Paul when he was besitting the Lord three times. You know, that, that thorn in the flesh must have been like a mountain. We were trying to apply some principles to that thorn in his flesh. This one should not be here. He besought the Lord first time, second time. He kept beseeching the Lord about this thing. But God said, leave that thing there. You are moving into another zone right now. I want to give you another taste. Right? Learn grace being sufficient. And the operation of sufficiency of grace is the contentment with strength in weakness. It's another kind of strength. This, this language is, is awesome. Bible, New King James. They didn't say, for my strength is coming to, my strength is coming to cast away your weakness. Or my strength is coming to, to to destroy and to swallow and to expunge and to obliterate and to, to remove. He said it's made perfect in weakness. In they, are, they are telling you that where they, so that, that strength the laboratory or the, not laboratory, the factory of my strength is called weakness. That my strength doesn't develop anywhere. You must give it a weak place. Then let, give it a space of weakness. Then my strength begin to be raised. It's, it's made perfect. The, the perfection of strength is what? Is, is done in a weak atmosphere. So if you are against weakness, you cannot come into strength. This is the mystery of grace, gracious life. You now say, what is this weakness? This weakness thing. <laughs> you know what Jesus was telling him? No, no. Why would the Lord now need to say, my grace is sufficient for you, and explain it to Paul. The Lord could have left him alone and just, just leave the thorn in the flesh, leave everything with him alone and let him stay in that weakness without any sense of interpretation. That would not be enough. Why? Because you having weakness is not a guarantee that strength will come. The same way suffering is not a guarantee 
that you are becoming spiritual. Do you agree with me? There are many things around this. You have to explain some things to see. And you see the suffering one comes easily, very easy. You know what brings suffering? It's just word. Because the spirits that respond to the word you are hearing, they can't help themselves. <laughs> because it's just that there's this, it's this, there are some things that this word is designed to bring. It's just, it's just like, you can't be preaching the word of righteousness and everything will just be going natural life. Everything, you know, it's because that thing called natural life has a sponsor. The, the life of the natural is sponsored by spirit. It's coming from the, from the spiritual. By the time you now bring a frame of thinking, a word that is against receiving sponsors, spiritual sponsors, do you understand me? There will be a reaction in the atmosphere. The first thing is that they want to warn you, stop listening to that word. You used to be, you used to have friends before, where are they? Well, you know what they'd be the, mo- the most social happening, everything? Take stock. Since you started listening to this thing, what happened to you? <laughs> you used to have vision before, where is it? Can you even see, t- can you even see tomorrow? Just Leave next year. <laughs> there are some things that you cannot take away from this word. It's because of the nature. You say, ah, it's God just like he put suffering. Do you, Praise God. <laughs> does God just like, okay, why, what, does God like suffering? The problem is that what you call suffering, uh, hmm? Like Jesus said, have you food and raiment, eh? <laughs> when I remained part, he didn't make Adam with it. So God even tried. <laughs> should have said, should have said, having food. <laughs> Can you picture the contentment of Adam in the garden? 
They mean the Roman part even came because of the fall. <laughs> it's only, it's only you, 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 you praise God. <laughs> God sees things differently, right? Why, why you are trying to, um, you know, many things that we have been trained to worry about. My this, my that. My this and that, <clears throat> right? All of those things that we care about, God doesn't, they are not God's cares for you, necessarily, right? What the Lord cares for is your soul. Yes. And there's no amount of blackmail you can make do to God to make him change his mind. God, you are wicked. You don't like good things. You like me suffering. And God is saying, ah, yeah. You know the funny thing? A lot of people who cry suffering, they are not really the suffering, the ones suffering the most things, most of the time. A lot of it is, is a frame, it's a mind. Yes, it's a, that's how you know it's evil. You see somebody who, who earns in dollars, who can eat, who stays in the house. There, there's, at least, your health, there's, you, you're in Canada, Social security. Yeah, I get what I'm saying. Can be so bitter, God. Why this about? Now you need to see people who. Do you get me? They. Now to you, God is bad to you. He hasn't done, but. You see, the whole family. In some places. Even that one, that one you have is like, that, that life you are, that you're angry at is the highest dream they can ever dream. Some of them can't even dream to have what you have. That their conscious mind, if they try and dream that kind of dream, something will shut down in their system. That they don't even have, I'm trying to pen something to you. So that will tell you that all those things are not real. It's all relative. It's just in your mind. When you feel, ah, I'm suffering most of it, a lot of times. Yes. I'm just talking about those things. I'm not talking about maybe bodily illness, and I understand that one. I'm speaking about many of the things that make people, you know, feel like they are going through things, and God is being mean. It's because we don't like, we lack the conscious perspective. That's the word, it's perspective. That's why I love the Bible. Paul was teaching. He said, godliness with contentment is great gain. And those two things, they are twins. If you have godliness, in quote, without contentment, you have not gained. 
they will, they will keep you there. Learn the other side of it. Right? It's, it's with contentment. He was teaching Timothy, the young guy, teaching him right from a young age, know this thing. There are, some, there are those who suppose godliness to be gain. It's not. In other words, when you think of God, you think gain, what you gain from him. You're profane. Right? God is not like that. God, you must have godliness with what? Contentment should be your default. If they bring a little, you kneel down and thank God. You say, God, thank you. And that, that, that little they give you, don't even feel like it's your own. They still what? Like you was teaching why you should walk. You say, go and walk, so you have to even give others. They, are, they, are, they don't even want you to be tied to anything. <laughs> Do you understand? This is the standard. I'm, I'm not describing this grace I'm teaching you, you understand? This is how grace, grace manifests. This is how gracious mind. This is a taste of graciousness. When your soul begin to, can begin to live. You must, if you have things, take time, meditate on them, and refuse them. You know, you can do that. That's what I do. I do those things. You just think about things you have. And then inside yourself, give them away. The reason why it's hard to give when time to give comes is because you didn't give. You, there's a point where you, it's not. <laughs> if you, you are holding it and they now say give, need someone comes, and that's when you have to decide. It's too late. Most likely, <laughs> most likely it's late. <laughs> It sounds like a very high star. God wants us to be like, yeah. You know why? Because these things mean nothing to him. <laughs> Try it and see. See if you will be going naked. And then, no. See, I was, I was young and now I'm old. I've never seen the righteous forsaken. No, his children begging for bread. Never seen the righteous forsaken. I've been young and now I'm old. My whole time. That was David said that. Who said that, I think? I've never seen, he said, I've never seen the righteous forsaken. It's not possible. That righteousness is too strong a law. Do you get what I'm saying? All these things, money, cash, they are too small. By the time you obey, that's Psalm 37, I've been young and now I'm old. Yet I have not seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed. David said, I have never seen it. I've actually never. Even if God forgot about you, the, the creation will not forget. The creation is programmed. All things work together for good to them that love God and are called according to our It's already it's a program. The earth will favor you. The, the world, the earth will look at you and feel like blessing you. You say, how can we serve you? That's what creation will be saying yes. to you. Yes. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. 
if you are able to. But the thing is that they don't serve who is serving them. Yeah. When you are serving them, they feel like slapping you. Come on, <laughs> can your head be correct? What's wrong with you? <laughs> Praise God. Say godliness, godliness with contentment. contentment. With contentment, we ought to have godliness because that godliness, godliness is a product of grace. And that gracious thing is, it, it, grace um, operates and, and it operates and it's received and carried with a kind of sense. It's called, is a sense of sufficiency. Yeah. That's what um, the Lord was teaching Paul. He says, stop complaining, stop beseeching me, my grace is sufficient for you. Wow. Right, it's, it's, you, need, you need to come into the, the sense of sufficiency of grace. In other words, how, the way you should be is that you don't need anything for, but grace. Actually, I learned that thing a long time ago. At that time, I didn't even know what grace is fully. But I had a sense of there's something called grace. I, I perceived it. I just, somehow, Lord help me, I just took stock. I just figured out somehow that all those who labor and labor, their life is not good like those who don't do it like that. My, their life is not as good as those who have space for not being in control, but allowing something greater than them to bring things into their life. Praise God. So you must see grace, you must, instead of desiring things, you desire grace. Desire to have grace instead. Because grace, things respond to grace. Corinthians eh, is able to make all grace abound toward, towards you. Thank you. Is able to make all grace abound towards you that you have in we always having all sufficiency. We are bound onto every good work. I love this language. You have all sufficiency. So if you have all grace, all grace leads to all sufficiency. You know what? I I, I love sufficiency. I like. I lo- they didn't say you have all. Abundance. But you will never be insufficient. That's how God thinks. That in all things, you will always have all sufficiency. All sufficiency in all things. So, Contentment is a, an attitude that believes in the gracious law of sufficiency. 
So someone who has, who has contentment, if what grace has brought, he will believe that this is sufficient for now. Do you understand me? You believe that what? That what, what grace brings to you is what? Is sufficient for now. If you have all grace, you have all sufficiency. This place is not telling you they will give you every single thing in the world. But it's telling you that you have what? All sufficiency. And if you have all sufficiency, you will then abound to what? To every good work. Glory to Jesus. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. So that, you have to taste that the Lord is gracious. Like when you taste that he's gracious, it helps the soul to develop appetite, or what he calls desire in verse two, for what the sincere milk of the word. And verse four, to whom coming as unto a living stone, that's disallowed indeed of men, but chosen of God, and what? Precious. Verse five, then it says, you also as lively stones are then what? Built up a, then what? An holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifice acceptable to God by what? Jesus Christ. So you are being built of what he calls the spiritual house. You see it. The spiritual house is the house of an holy priesthood. So the spiritual house is the, the spiritual house, when you take a spiritual house, right? And, we, and then that is built for a holy priesthood. Such a house is what they call a holy temple. So a spiritual house, right, that is built for what? A holy, when you hear the word priesthood, He's talking about everything, the economy of, that supports priestly life. You want to know all things about priesthood. Exodus speaks a lot concerning them, at least in terms of the type and the shadow. Right? You now see that this thing called priesthood, what makes priesthood are many things. that are specific in nature and ordinances were given to the priesthood. The priest is not just talking about the priest. You must think about his garment, his utensils, even the altars which he uses. Think about his laws that are given to him. Then you see even the, the house, all those specifications. Are you get what I'm saying? Everything must be according to specification. That it's only such a thing that can offer up spiritual sacrifices that will be what? Acceptable to God. By who? By Jesus Christ. Glory to Jesus. Hallelujah. Amen. So I want us to, let's cast our mind to what I was saying about the, um, what is the standard for righteousness? the inward standard for righteousness not being something that's on the outside or something that was, that's what on the inside. And he calls it 
a frame, right? That, uh, that inward frame. So what grace actually is meant to do is to frame you. Right, that's the, the purpose of grace is to do what? Is to develop your is to develop your frame on the inside. How are you framed? You know, when you say someone say, I, I think this way, yeah, that's your frame talking. Where your your thinking, your calculations, where your judgment is flowing from, is flowing from where? Your frame. The frame that is within. What is the engine that's churning out the life on the inside? So, what amounts to um, what amounts to sin, uncleanness, filth? Iniquity in God's eyes are things that are product of a frame. That's what sin is. That, that came out of a frame that was not graciously constructed. God would say this is sinful. That's sin. So it's not, it's not what we think it is. Do you understand what I'm saying to you? Mm-hmm. What God sees as the frame, as, the, as sinful, is that is how it's framed, how the soul is framed on the inside. So if you are, and the Bible says that the only thing that can surmount sin is grace. For where sin did abound, the grace did much more. Now I want to notice a particular word, abound. Say abound. abound. That word is a key word that they, they used, not only Paul, Peter. They kept using that word around, anytime they speak about grace, stature, they use that word to, to tell you about the, the standard, God's expectation of your development. Right, where sin did abound, so that grace did what? Much more abound. The last place we read just now, he's able to make all grace abound towards you. Is able to make all what? All grace abound toward you. All grace abound. Romans 5. We have received the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one. You see that same word? Abundance, grace must abound. So 
to, for grace to abound, grace must be, must be increasing. Right? Measure by measure. Grace must be added to grace. Right? Things, you must learn how to, how to, to increase. It says grow in grace and what? In the, in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus. Praise Jesus. The reason why you need grace to abound is because of the the requirement for, for access into God's life. Right? For it's very clear that those babies who rejected it have not abounded in grace, right? The kind of is is the is speaking about how does a person begin to break into the, the consciousness of the life of God, that that consciousness comes because of an abundance of grace. Praise God. Hallelujah. That's what Peter was speaking about in Second Peter chapter one, right? Therefore you add to your faith, uh-huh. virtue, Virtue, knowledge, knowledge, temperance, temperance, patience, patience, godliness, godliness, bodily kindness, bodily kindness, charity, verse eight, for if these things be in you and abound, then they make you that you shall never be barren or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Verse nine, that he, either like these things is blind, cannot see afar off, and forgotten that he was poor from his own sin. So if you eat that lacks these things, that so when you don't lack abundance of grace, you will be you lack capacity to see afar off. Right? You see that capacity to see afar off is what is far that you need to see. It's the is the life of God. What is afar is truth. Right, it's the it's the life of God. Right, it takes abundance of grace to be able to to see the truth of God. Do you see that grace must what? Grace must abound. When grace has abounded, you will now see. Let's go on verse ten. Amen. Then. So wherefore, the rather, brethren, give diligence to make your calling and election sure. And if you do these things, then you shall never fail. Verse 11. For so an entrance shall be ministered unto you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. So the entrance into the everlasting kingdom is, is abundant. They're not just saying we'll minister it abundantly to you. They're telling you the doorway into the everlasting kingdom is a door of abundant entrance. Yes. 
that if you've not abounded in grace or abounded in Christ, then the entrance cannot be ministered to you. That those who will enter the everlasting kingdom, they enter it. Their abundance there is qualifying the kind of entrance. The way of entering. For so an entrance. So, So that if these things be in you and abound, you shall what? Never fail. Let's go back. Let's see it. If this is being you and abound, they make it that you shall never be barren or unfruitful. What in the knowledge of Jesus Christ? Glory to God. So the abundant entrance is how the soul comes into the life of God. You can't. You can't. You cannot receive God's life wretchedly. Do you, you know what I mean by wretchedly? I mean a soul that is still, um, that has not abounded in grace, will not gain entrance into the everlasting kingdom. They will not, that door will not, and this thing is, when I say entrance, entrance means entrance. <laughs> Uh-huh. So, you can't be outside something and have entered. Neither, if you are outside, you don't know what is inside. Get, and that's one of the problems that sometimes you try to judge God from outside. Right? A lot of time, the soul that find fault with God are souls that are outside. Do you understand? When you begin to teach everlasting life and begin to teach the life of God, the souls that have problem are those souls who's without judgment. So imagine, because of abundance of grace, God has helped some people to come closer to begin to be fruitful in knowledge according to God's life. Then some other people who refuse abundance of grace, because of many things I've described already, they receive abundance. How do you know so who, re- who refuse abundance of grace? It's not, it's not that hard. It's not very hard. If you're looking at they come to meeting, you don't, that's not where it is, it's food. Just open First Corinthians 13, read all those things there, check. You will know, so you understand what I'm trying to say. Example is, you know, um, one thing that one thing is one thing I know that what do you say, sir? Mercy. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Praise God. One thing I know for sh- definitely, anybody who's self-centered, who's self-absorbed, can never see everlasting life. It's not possible. You will not understand any little thing about it. Do you know, what's the meaning of who is a self-centered person? A self-centered person is, manifest this way. It's not someone who comes and says, me, me, I am better. No, no, no. A self-centered person is that, if they're able to, inside their, 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 themselves, 
log their time of thought and emotional focus, most of the time is around themselves. It can be praying for themselves. It can be thinking about their problem. It can be thinking how, how, how everybody, what everybody's doing is affecting them. It can be thinking about how unfortunate they are. <laughs> thinking about how, you know, they are not loved, first of all, by God, by people. Are you getting what I'm saying? Then thinking about their gift, their talent, their skill, their grace. What else? Then their needs. Are you getting what I'm saying? Uh-huh. Now, is everything I mentioned? You can be going to meeting constant for years. You can be even if serving in one great department. Amen. Spirituality is actually really not that hard to, you know, you know what I mean. <laughs> At a level. At some level, it starts being difficult because of the, because when you're not to talk about motives, it's hard to see motives. Uh-huh. So there are some things that can be manifested, but secretly, when the heart is really, really, uh, but sometimes can be, but there are some bars that are just low, it's easy. You can't tell me that everything about you is just you, 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 and you are spiritual. You're not spiritual. <laughs> you understand? There's no revelation you can use to cover that one. That one, there's nothing, no revelation, nothing. Go and bring it from anywhere. And there's no preacher who can, who has revelation to cover that one. That when we map your life, everything is about you. Do you get what I'm saying? You are not spiritual. You are not spiritual. You say, oh, no, 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 it's not about me. You say, hi. Hi, yeah, it's That's the way, you know, uh, my way of giving off is different. I have a, I have a sense of the brethren. Is that in what sense? But I don't need to be around them. I don't need to be, you know, every time. You know, my own is different. I'm just, it's very simple. I have a, I have a, an invisible s- spiritual methodology of charity. That's not visible to the naked eye, but it's secret. <laughs> There's nothing like that. When you, people who have grown, when you come around, how do you know them? They smell like others. You understand what I mean? They, do you get what I mean? They, they smell like others. They... When you, when you meet them, they are, they are shared. When you meet other people, you find some part of them with others. When you are, you are just talking with this guy, you will see another person here. Why? Because of, 
the way their life has flowed. Do you get that, that kind of life, the law that makes you that way, that's, that's the spiritual laws. Do you understand what I'm saying? So this is not some kind of, there's nothing. Uh, uh-huh. So if, if you are below that standard to start with, then after that, we cannot begin to look at motives. Let's say some people can be do that out of just zealousness. They are not, you know, really spiritual. You know, maybe just, it's just they are framed that way. Maybe their mom was like that. So they just give, they naturally, uh, there are things, because someone can be that way in a sense, and still not be really, might not be flowing. Uh, but I'm just talking about that, you don't, that thing is not there at all, that your spirituality is inside, is invisible, that you don't know, forget it. Forget it. It means that you hold on to yourself, you love yourself. You say, no, I'm just shy, I'm just an introverted. Is it? See, I will, when, I, when you tell me that thing, I will look at you in your eyeball. And I will tell you, you're not as shy as me. And I won't be lying. Praise God. That's the thing. See all those shyness, all those things. It's the, that, don't you say you are shy? It's the proof you are not spiritual. Yeah. Do you understand me? Yeah. Do you get what I'm saying? Yeah. Do you understand? Yeah. Because that, that your shyness, you see that, that spiritual nature inside you will compel you beyond your shyness. What, what is attracting you to, to others will be too strong. It will, it will be stronger than your personality. Do you understand what I'm trying to say to you? Grace is... is when, you know, when we took too much inward, my this, I'm like this. It's not, you don't understand grace. Grace shifts you beyond I, beyond me, beyond, are you getting me? All those limitations. Grace, when, when you begin to submit to gracious way and gracious living. That thing is a law. It's the law of the spiritual man. It's just a law. You can read it in the Bible. It said, bear one another's burden and so fulfill the law of Christ. Summarize, it's very simple for you. If you say you are not bearing one another's burden, you are not fulfilling the law of Christ. It's a law, Galatians 6 verse 2. Bear ye one another's burdens and so Fulfill the law of Christ. That's how the law of Christ, the summary of the law. See charity, this is a summary of charity here. Bear ye what? One what? Bearing one another's burdens is the law of charity, of spirituality. So, like I was saying, that's what brought me to this <laughs> diversion. What I was trying to tell you is that you cannot see everlasting life inside yourself. 
if you are absorbed in yourself and then someone starts preaching to you, there's everlasting life, is the life of the Father, is the, you know, the life of the living God, is you begin to talk that kind of language, you will not like it. Because there's something about that speech. It's truth speech. It regards not persons. It is, it is, um, there is no account for your needs there. I'm sorry, it's not like it means something. It is good that it's that way. So when, imagine somebody who's, who has not fulfilled that love of Christ, who is still in themselves, and that's their, their state, and you begin to bring that kind of thing to them. Number one, when they smell it, it doesn't even sound like Christianity. It doesn't even sound like God. Why? It's not catering to their things. I mean, there's nothing about them. They have no, inside that thing. <laughs> there's nothing. It means that that life promises them nothing. When you begin to, to teach everlasting life, all you begin to see is God's glory. That's the land where God talks only about himself. At, at that kind of that, that point, scripture begins to change its tone it's a, a little bit. It, it's, there's almost a feeling. It's, a, it's almost like a feeling of, like, as if he's not, he's not caring about you anymore. <laughs> it, it, it's almost like it feels almost as if they're just talking about one place, one faraway place. One kind of abstract something, what kind of, so that kind of thing. <laughs> and, are, and a soul that has not been raised with grace will never believe that you can tarry in, with such a, in such a place. Why? Because of the, the sound of death is coming. The smell of death is coming. You know that this realm is refusing you. Yes, sir. For you to flow in this world, you must have passed away. All right? You must have, and it's not easy to pass away, to let yourself pass, pass away. People who, that thought is a thought that, that must be carried purely. It's pure. It's a pure thought, the pure thought of God. He said, for you are dead and your life is hid with Christ in God. Is another, right, hid with Christ. So it means that your life can be hidden. Hey, I'm hidden in God. No, hey, they don't hide men in God. 
They don't do what? They don't hide men in God. Anybody who is hid in God must be hid with Christ in God. They say, hey, God, I'm here now. No, we don't know you. There's only one thing we know here. We only know one man. It's called Christ. Are you Christ? My name is... You must be hid with Christ in God. It means you must be found with Christ. To be in God. Now, so imagine that kind of zone, that zone of God's life. The word coming from there, and someone who is outside that place is not trying to judge it. Is it correct? Ah, they said this, so why are they saying, why are they now making this complex? Why are they doing that? You get what I'm saying? You're actually trying to judge something you have no clue about. You don't have the taste. You don't have the feeling. You don't have the, you see that, that thing Jesus called the witness of the truth. To, to bear witness. It's not, not everybody can have witness of the truth. Those who are outside the truth, Look at those who have that witness as though they are crazy. Yeah. Like, this thing doesn't make sense. Are you not seeing it? And there's no amount of trying to see. They can, they can explain it to you, sir. You can't see what they are saying. You cannot. Praise Jesus. Yeah. You know, the, the, when you are, in, when you are a, a, a child, we're almost done, thank you. When, when you are a child, um, your sense of, um, you know, what makes you happy is not the same thing as what makes you happy when you are, or when you're a baby, it's not the same thing as what makes you happy when you are a child. Right? I mean, the kind of attention a baby needs, like a little baby wants it always, you want to feel that hug all the time, rub them and then smile to them, everything that, that must pay attention to every little, so that, that close something. As the baby starts going, the baby starts pushing you away like my daughter. When she sees you coming, she knows you are, going, you are thinking of hugging her, so she wants to, to her, that hug is bondage, it's like, why are you trying to shackle me? Leave me alone. Yes, they told Zera, can you sit down here? Okay, we are done. It's almost, it's late. Just sit down. It's time to sit down with daddy now. I can go anywhere I want. <laughs> now, she was not saying that in terms of, no, I can do it. You know that kind of thing. She was saying in terms of letting me know that she has the ability. <laughs> do you understand what I mean? That, so why am I treating her like ever? This is my little baby who just crawls. That when we carry Eva like that, I should, she shouldn't be like that because she can go anywhere she wants. So she's telling me that 
She's not on that level. Don't bring me like that and just be holding me. <laughs> right? Like my little baby, she needs you. You must do everything for her ever. But Zara, I can do it by myself. Everything you want to do, I can do it by myself. I can do it by myself. Are you seeing? So it means that to make her now comfortable, the way you play with her is different. It's not just hugging every time, kissing you. She doesn't want that. That's not what she's looking for. Bring something exciting. Bring things. Right? <laughs> so there must be an upgrade to the play. The play must be more stimulating to her. So maybe help her. Okay, let's build a castle now. Different colors. Wow, how tall can your castle be? That kind of thing. Oh, let's. That, yeah. But an adult now, can you, can you entertain me by building castle? Like, bring. So, being in adulthood, what makes me feel like, you know, like this is nice, I'm enjoying myself. You get what I'm saying? As an adult, Enjoyment can just be, we just sit down there for four hours, just talking. And everything we are talking about might not be present. Can we talk about things happening in the globe? Can we talk about Nigeria election? (laughs) Talking about, you know, things that are not present, not, they are far, because that's what maturity does to you. It makes you see how far off. Do you get? You can see a spiritual. When you suddenly you are becoming spiritual, and you are you are getting to fullness of spirituality, you can take far thought. What the father says to the son can matter to you. When. John said, and our fellowship, truly our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son. There can be a genuine interest. What is that fellowship about? Are you understanding? You, capacity of saying, you're not bogged down with your um, need for gratification of your natural life, right? Anything that, what makes you a man, those things. That's what Christ wants to win you from. Become a Christ instead. He's a special kind of man, a spiritual man that's equipped to see a far off. Because see this journey of God's life, it's a far, it's a far off journey. You don't see God near like this. When, you, when they want to start showing him to you, they will stretch your inward. Um, you get what I'm saying? Your feeling, what you feel. When you're the feeling, your inward perception of Christ is different from the inward perception of God. Right? The way you perceive Christ in your inside, in your inward man, is not the way that you, perf- you perceive God. Maybe you are, you are familiar with the inward. Um, the inward feeling. I'm using the word feeling for lack of words. But you're, you're, you're familiar with the inward spiritual feeling of charity. 
That's one kind of a, once you've settled into charity life, it's an awesome sweet something that you, en- you enjoy. It's almost like an adornment. It's like a, it's an ambience which you wear. It's awesome. It's actually lovely. You can enjoy your charity on the inside. It's out of the, the, the enjoyment, the drunkenness of charity that love for the brethren flows. That's why people who don't understand charity life, we wonder, why are you like that? Why must your life just be open, living for others? Why is all those things? People who don't understand that life will not know that that is a hyper enjoyment for you. <laughs> that they can't heal you from that thing. That say stop you from flowing into your brethren. You, are, you will die. You will choose rather to die than to live for others. Because you've gone too far. When you think about the life of not being that way, it's too stinking and wretched to you. It's, it looks like poverty. You know someone who has left the gutter and then has gone to the, imagine going from a lane and going to, I don't know those places too much, but based on what I've heard, you've left there and you went to, you know, say island. And all that. You know, you know the memory of that place? Oh! That's how it is for somebody who has come into charity and has been undone by that life. When you think about that me, myself, selfish, grotesque life, you, you, you hate it. You don't even want it. But guys who don't know anything about that life feel you are suffering. So you mean you make money, you earn everything. You can't even just enjoy yourself and just balance yourself and take care of your needs, take care of your future, focus on your family, do your own this thing. You see that? Death, die, die. Why can't you just focus on dying? You understand? He doesn't know that's what he's saying. But that's how, you, that's how he's hitting you. Die, die. <laughs> You gotta because because that's how you see such a thing. Why would I just be living for myself? What's the profit? What's the joy in that? Do you understand what I mean? Once once charity has charity has set you free, right? That law of liberty, law of the spirit of life in Christ has made us free from the law of sin and death. See, once you've been set free like that, hey, you don't even want to imagine the former life. You understand what I mean? The the joy of sharing yourself, communicating, living for others. You don't want to be, why why would you want to live for yourself alone? Do you get what I'm trying to say? So that's what I'm talking about when I mean charity. That kind of thing. But when you have come to that estate, they will now begin to to show you this. There's still, there's now, and the real kind of love is different from charity. It's actually higher. It's purer. It's purer. You know, you can, be, you can enjoy charity, but because of it being a Christ life, which is not incorruptible, somewhere you can still see you can perceive the, the end of it. Right? And how you perceive the end of it is, is, your, is also your carefulness about it. Because you are very, very, you are, you are actually afraid of so many things you know that can kill it. 
he's precious, of course. He's precious. That's what that life is. It's a precious life. Charity. But you are very conscious. You know that this thing can die. If you are not careful, you can perceive it. It's awesome. You enjoy it. It's different. But they will now begin to stretch your eyes to see another version, which is higher. It's sure. Do you know what I'm trying? That's the way God. God is not afraid that his love can die, that one day he can stop loving. But if you are a Christ, better be afraid that one day he can stop. <laughs> because that charity is not incorruptible. But are you saying things everlasting? Things everlasting. There are different sense. God's own sense of those things are completely different. Completely different. Now imagine now a soul that has not even tried to even have charity. You now begin to now open that other kind of things that don't end. They don't even understand why, what, why are you staying? What's the obsession with, with endlessness? <laughs> Do you know why they don't understand your obsession with endlessness? They have nothing precious that they are afraid of losing. Do you understand what I mean? That incorruptibility is a problem for those who have precious things. Do do you understand what I'm trying to say? After a while, that becomes their own problem. Before, it is how can I learn to love? How can I understand charity? How can I live for myself? How can I be less self-centered? By the time you've journeyed far into preciousness, that precious life, you have obtained like precious fate. Are you understanding me? You've come into that kind of place. You are holding something precious. Your problem changes. (laughs) And then you look around this world, you know that there are deadly things here. First of all, you become conscious of your adversary, the devil, that's going around like a warrior lion, seeking for whom to devour. So when you're reading the Bible, your own sense is different now. You are t- what can make my life never end? That's, that's your own revelation. It's different. You begin, to, you begin to be tuned to scripture of incorruptibility. That begins. So somebody who hasn't gotten there doesn't understand your obsession with incorruptibility. They just feel you're just being too high part. Why do you like the strange part of the Bible? Why do you like- just go and read the Hagen book and be okay. <laughs> it's very clear Kenneth, that the Hagen did not teach incorruptibility. He didn't teach that. Although we don't know how far his own life he went. Yeah. You understand? Because he didn't, it's not, he didn't minister himself. But of course he had a journey. We don't know how far he went. Maybe after later, we will see him, we will find out how <laughs> far. But you can tell the things that almost everything his work on, the, his message was just preparing people for what to be really spiritual. For real spirituality.
Praise Jesus. Hallelujah. Say grace. Grace. There are some things that you will not um, grace elevates you. Right? Grace raises you up. When you are in this place, you only think about these things around here. Is that all your concern? You can't stretch beyond this place. People who have moved farther than you, who have come into a new zone with new concerns, when you see them, they look too extra for you. They look too, nothing has relevance. They're just concerned about your own space. And you will judge everything by that little space because of how far you can see. You get what I mean? That's one thing you should, if it's anything you should be careful of. You see concluding matters, judging things. People who are, some people who are ahead of you, who have stature more than you, and they say, okay, this thing is this way. It's better to say, let's leave it for now. Or in terms, you know what, let's, don't try to post yourself against, that's what Hebrew was warning against, those evil heart of unbelief in departing from the, from the living God. Departure, like those Israelites, all they wanted is just food. Give me food, let me eat today and die. I don't care about tomorrow. But God had an inheritance. It was the living God who, was, who had a plan. He wanted to use the wilderness to prepare them to come into inheritance. Lest they will see war and run and all of those things. Glory to God. Yeah. But say, so lest there be in you, take it, brethren, lest there be in you, in any of you, an evil heart of unbelief. In who? In departing from the living God. So this is what the, the purpose of grace, grace that, is, that comes to you as the, that power, that of spirituality, to make you spiritual, is, for to, is to shift your frame. It's like you are going up to a building. Grace will move you from floor one, enter floor two now. If you stay in floor one, look outside the window, what you, your view, it's the same window, same place you are facing. There's some things you will see. When you're in the first floor, look outside. You might not even see much because there are buildings obstructing your, your view. You won't see too much. You can't come out of, let's say, first floor and have a sense of the city, what it looks like. Then go back to the elevator of grace and go to the second floor and go to the window and check. Oh, I can see. I can see above that building. Oh. There's actually something there that that building has been covering since. Hey, there's something in that area I didn't see. Just little elevation. But let's say when you're in floor one, someone told you there's something, something there. If you are very stubborn, no. I see it not, hence it existed not. But enter elevator of grace, go to floor two, you will see. Go to then go to floor three, floor four. As you are being raised, what happens? After a while, go to the you begin to see afar off. So seeing afar off has to do with your heart. That's why you need to be spiritual. Not spiritual according to your ten, your sense of feeling of I'm okay, I'm nice. I am right, I'm I'm mature. Because of I do this and no, forget about those things. I'm talking about, see, grace. 
grace, let me tell you something about grace. Grace does not respect personality. Oh, I'm this one, I'm that one, I have it, I don't have it. No, grace will make it out from you. When you become, a, when you become gracious, you begin to, begin to become a master of all. Oh, this thing is hard. You just get more grace. No matter your personal, individual limitation that's tied to your personality, all those things, look, look, you just need grace. Just need grace. Grace is all you need. Grace is all you need. Grace is all you need. Like all those fishermen, those Jewish fishermen. I'm sure those probably like the crudest set of fellows you can ever see. Jewish boys who follow Jesus. When when they journeyed in grace for a while, they say, hey, those who turned the world upside down have come. That's, that's what they said concerning them. They said, those who turned the world upside down because of grace, which they had. Imagine Matthew, Mark, you are reading them. Brightness. Some guys who didn't go to school. Brightness. Praise Jesus. So if you want to take something from today, focus on that thing about your inward frame being expounded. Do not be, some people are averse to things like that. Some people are averse to Tell me what to go and do. Don't tell me how to be. And, I, and I, 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 you know, I counsel people, so I know. I know people who are like that. Okay, I didn't do it this way, right but when, when I switch language, I'm going to touch their frame. I'm, I'm, I'm tampering areas with which they have settled and covenanted with, I'm this way. I'm going to tamper with that place. Reaction begin to come. <laughs> That's what Satan is keeping. That's the frame that God wants to destroy. It's that person that the Lord wants to remove to cause another one to emerge. See, that one is what God, is where God collects worship from. It's not the things that you are doing. It's how you are framed on the inside. That's where God collects his worship from. And that's what God, uh, grace wants to change. Sometimes to do that, they will slow down your output. You are busy doing many things. You are serving. Calm down. Slow it down. Leave those things. Stop. I know. Oh, no, but I need to bless people. I need to give my God. No, calm down first. Let us. Uh, we're not against you blessing people. Let's just. You see that? Where the blessing comes from. That framing. Can we dissolve that one? And, and then raise it up by grace. Make it gracious. God doesn't want you to be non-gracious. He wants you to be gracious. Grace confounds sin. Sin is not by strong faith. Stop sinning. I won't sin again. It's not by that. The only way you will make sin go, sin must become confused. Then sin no longer has a place anymore. Because of mode, your 
mode of life has shifted, has changed. Thank you, Jesus. Father, we give you praise. Father, Lekamasua. Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Shehere Maso, thank you. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Amen. Father, we thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Father. Father, we ask. We ask you. Lord. teach you to trust and how to trust in the power of grace. Amen. I will teach you to know that grace is sufficient. 
that you can trust the, the nudgings of grace. You can trust the leading of grace. You can trust the instructions of grace. That grace is sufficient for you. The Lord is saying, I will, I will help you to key into grace. You will learn how to be helped, how to yield and how to surrender to the power of grace. Lord is saying, I will teach you. I will lead you on ways contrary to your nature and to your person. I will show you how to run against a troop, how to leap over a wall. I will teach you how to surmount insurmountable challenges and difficulties, those within you and those without. I will show you. I will help you. I will help you. I will help you, say the Lord. For I'm bringing a season of grace, great grace over you. To raise you up, to build you up, to make you strong. Grace that will deal with all infirmities and all weaknesses. Grace that will bring you into fullness. I will make you be able to see, see beyond just the immediate present give you spiritual eyes, Amen. discernment of the spiritual. Because he that is spiritual judges all things. Judgment of spiritual, spiritual judgment given unto you by grace. You begin to experience that automatic movement. Amen. Flow of grace. You come to a place where being spiritual will be so easy. Amen. You will be naturally spiritual. Amen spiritual naturally because you have no other way of being. Amen. That will become the only way that you know. Amen. Father, we thank you. Bless you, Lord. Let this word be totally redemptive today. I pray that you will help use it to help us. We receive all the blessing, the spiritual import of all you have said. I ask that no one will go away today without receiving the blessing. Let this, the weight of this thing rest over our soul Let, until all the, the rain from this cloud is emptied into the soil of our heart to bring forth all fruitfulness in these things. Thank you, our Father. We give all the glory. Lord, you will defeat the enemy. You will defeat the devil. You will defeat his works places where he has boasted because of what he has done, his confidence in that which so for this reason was the son of God made manifest to destroy all the works of the enemy. We pray that his works shall be destroyed Amen. totally in us in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you. We give you glory as our holy temple arises, Amen. as it's being built up to you, even your habitation. We give you thanks for all that you have done. Thank you, our Father, we bless your holy name. In Jesus' name we shine for You dwell between the cherubim.
shine for you. You dwell between the 